to From the Bleachers, the only podcast that recognizes that Real Housewives is a sport in which the women are competing for additional seasons of play and social media fame. Today, we are analyzing the plays made in season four, episode 14 of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I'm Sandra. And I am Mandy. And today, for the first time, I wrote down the title of the episode correctly in my notes. Are you sure? What is it? Bermuda birthday blues. You got nice it. Alliteration. <laughs> this is a great episode. I can't wait to get into it. It was a lot of fun. I One of the things I'm thinking about as I'm watching these cast trips and this being the only franchise I'm familiar with, um, I'm starting to dip my toes into Beverly Hills so that we can mm-hmm. we can do a little work there when this ends. And they're so very different. So I'm curious to know sort of the tenor of cast trips in Salt Lake City versus mm-hmm. other franchises. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is the first, well, it's their first uh, international cast trip, I guess. First time leaving the yeah. country for Salt Lake City. So first we get a recap of what has happened previously. They are cheersing to being in Bermuda. Monica explains that her family lives in Bermuda. Whitney falls down running to catch a fish in the ocean, leading to rumors started by Mandy last episode. Monica is talking to Meredith about the DMs they got about Angie's finances. We saw anger in a van between Meredith and Angie And we saw Whitney telling Heather to shut the fuck up during the dinner portion of last episode. I have a new theory on Whitney's face. Maybe it was like a jujitsu or whatever accident. Maybe at that dinner last week, (laughs) she was like, yeah, I do jujitsu. How do you think I got this on my face? But they had to cut that part because she is still in this episode seriously heavily foundationed so like they're definitely I feel like they're definitely covering something up because their skin tone is not quite right it's super heavy you can kind of tell but it's less obvious than day one I don't know interesting when you said that maybe it was a jujitsu accident at then you started talking about the dinner I was like they would not cut jujitsu between the ladies at a dinner (laughs) (laughs) at least I hope they would not what if there was like a real housewives mma tie like a crossover (laughs) we don't need it this is the this is basically the same thing (laughs) so we get their taglines and then our signature choir music to set the scene and we see it's day two of the bermuda trip they show us the view out of everyone's window and everyone's waking up for the day in their jammies and it's monica's birthday whitney brings monica a birthday present and it's a salty af t-shirt Heather is on the patio setting up birthday stuff for Monica and Angie and Meredith come out to help. Heather says normally they have other people decorating, but today they're doing it themselves. I thought that was a good show me the money play. Mm -hmm. They talk about dinner the previous night and they all agree that Whitney shouldn't have told Heather to shut the fuck up. Meredith says she doesn't believe in speaking that way. And then we get a flashback to Meredith telling Lisa to tell Angie to fuck off earlier in the season. Great receipts. Thank you, Bravo. Heather calls Whitney petty just as Whitney comes out onto the patio. And Whitney, she doesn't flinch. She plays an apology to Heather. Bro move. So we've got our first apology play of the episode. Maybe our only apology play of the episode. It's the only one I rated, I think. Uh, I don't remember cutting and pasting it a second time. So yeah. Whitney says, I am sorry that I said that to you. I don't want to talk to you that way. I'm sorry for speaking to you that way. Heather says, don't ever do that again. And Whitney says, okay. And they hug. So I gave, so our apology rubric for those uh, new to our apology rating scale, um, it's a five point scale. You get um, one point for taking accountability, one for specificity, one point for acknowledging um, the impact, commitment to fix is a point and a check-in is a point. Yes. And then you can get minus points if you have like a snarky tone over the top of it, or you're making excuses. So it's basically, it's out of five here. I gave this, so I gave one point for taking accountability. I gave one point for specificity. 
And I give a half a point for committing to fix since another asks her, you know, I, I don't want you to do that again. And she says, okay. Half and that's your there, final so. is that so my final, final is I'm calling it a 2.5. Well, Sandra, yes, little darling. miss easy Grady over here. Uh-huh. Easy Grady. Easy, easy Grady. Grady. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. I don't want to go back. Easy Grady. Just, just kidding. <laughs> I also gave her one for accountability, one for specificity, and I did feel there was half a point's worth of a commitment to fix, but in her ITM, she says, I'm genuinely sorry. I lost control of my emotions and I don't want to feel like I wasted an apology. <laughs> so so I took off a point. Oh, because- you're taking off a point for the ITM? For the IT, because that's part, that's what the producers showed us. They showed us that moment where she was basically like, I don't want to feel like I wasted an apology. And so I thought, I thought that deserved a little negative point. So she got a 1.5 from me. Okay, fair enough. I thought that was so funny when she said she doesn't want to waste an apology. I was like, oh, are there like a finite number of apologies you can give? Like you only have five for the season. I'm pretty sure there's, (laughs) there's infinite apologies, Whitney. It's okay. You can, you can apologize. And the more you apologize, the more you're on the rubric, the more we can really uh, assess your skills. Yes. And I felt that if she had scaled up her apology to like a three, four or five pointer, she'd have a way better chance of Heather being genuinely over it. Like if she really addressed Heather's feelings, you know, if she really like went into it and like was more sincere and like really broke it down with her, she'd have a much better chance of Heather getting over it. And it might have actually prevented the infection of this behavior into Heather that we see later in the episode. Mm, perhaps, although perhaps. So that would be actually bad if it did yeah. that because we wanted that <laughs> confrontation. Uh, but I'm just saying, Whitney Rose, call me or DM me, slide into those Instagram DMs, Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon. I'm now offering apology play coaching to any housewives player who is interested in improving their apology play game. And I will um, provide color commentary as needed. (laughs) So Heather criticizes Angie's decorating skills, comparing her balloon setup to a ball sack. Lisa joins and begins to use the manual pump to blow up the balloons. And she makes a really great quip about that being how she gets her jazz tickets, which is a really great throwback to drama that happened in an earlier season. Um, I love that. I love it's always great when a player can poke fun at the controversies that they were once embroiled in. Agreed. And I really appreciated when Lisa first walked in, she said, we did such a good job. And that is where you see Heather's reaction. (laughs) There was a lot of very quick, subtle face play. And this was Mm. sort of the most noticeable face play reaction. So I'm giving this moment to Heather reacting to Lisa's me monster moment, my face play, <laughs> face play of, the of the game. Oh man, an early face play from Heather. That's great. I love it. Monica, uh, Monica comes in and she gets a big happy birthday from everyone. She gets the TFP, the tardy for the party, simply because it's her birthday. But I think she deserves it for filming on her birthday. So I'm going to give it to her. Heck Yeah. They get a delicious looking buffet breakfast and they take a seat at the table. Heather crowns Monica as queen for the day and Monica is delighted by the celebration. She produces tears and she plays a PTC, a personal tragedy card, which if you uh, don't know what that is, it is when you talk about something tragic that has happened to you and it helps endear you to the other players and to the uh, viewing audience and brings us closer to you, helps us see your heart. She says, so she plays her PTC. She says she has never had a birthday like this in her life. She ITMs that things have been difficult lately and her relationship with Vovo is in a bad place. It means so much for them to do this for her. And she's so grateful. Monica says the plan for the day is to go jet skiing on the ocean. And then Monica's going to go see her family who she hasn't seen in 30 years while the other ladies go get some downtime on the beach. And then we learn that Monica tried to go to therapy with her mom with Vovo on camera, like they were going to film it, and that Vovo didn't show up. We get a flashback to this unaired scene where Monica is alone with the therapist, and she's venting that this was Vovo's idea. Therapy was Vovo's idea, and she can't even show up. I have to say, I am 
I miss Vovo. I'm sad that she didn't show up. And I'm very curious. We have a lot to talk about with Vovo. I'm very curious about mm. what her play is right now. And if we're going to get her back yeah. on screen, because you and I predicted that she would probably be at reunion. And right now I'm curious if that's going to happen. Yeah. It seems like she's not in the document anymore. And I'm not sure if that's her or if that's Monica kind of pushing yeah. her out. I'm always yeah. curious when someone doesn't show up to film like this, you know, like Vovo has a producer who's assigned to her. Everyone has a producer who's assigned to them. So there's a producer who's communicating with Vovo saying, Hey, we're filming this therapy thing. Be here at this time. And I'm sure they're checking in with her to make sure she's going to be there. And then she doesn't show up. So what did that conversation look yeah. like? Did Vovo yeah. say ahead of time? Like, I'm not doing this anymore. You guys are making me look bad. Did Monica reach out and to Vovo and say, don't cut like, what is what I'm what curious what's happening behind the scenes here. Me too. This is also really it really, uh, you know, for both Lisa Barlow and for me, I think we're really coming around on Monica um, and what we thought she was like before. Yeah. I don't know if the entire audience is, but. Um... Yeah. On socials, they're not. Yes. I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so Monica tells the ladies that Vovo um, has been telling her family that she wants to come to Bermuda to quote unquote support Monica. So she wants the fun trip to Bermuda, but she doesn't want to do the actual work to repair the relationship like therapy. Monica says dinner will be pirate themed. Lisa says she won't dress up and Heather suggests showing up nude with only giant pirate hoop earrings and uh, nipple covers. Lisa says what she has large hoops and that's yes. it and so heather takes that opportunity to say oh just the hoops nothing else whitney's having such a good effect on you yes and then she says i'm really proud of you i love that dig at whitney that was great a great little subtle confrontation play yes and then we cut to commercial oh yes any interesting commercials this week no uh no not not at this <laughs> section <laughs> So Monica dismisses everyone with her scepter so they can all go get ready for jet skiing. And then she's upstairs and she texts Lisa to come up to her balcony. A little, a little show me the producer's money moment up on the balcony. And they're very excited. As Lisa comes up, they're very excited to be jet ski buddies. And she uses her scepter to tell Lisa where to sit. And it makes this fun little sparkle sound, which yeah, I, I loved all the little sparkle sounds they put in with her scepter. Cute. Yeah, I thought the I thought the editors did a really good job in this episode with with a couple of really fun moments. So, Monica plays an IFI. She's got an injury, fear, or illness. She's afraid to go and meet her family by herself, and so she wants Lisa to come with her. It's part of her, their trajectory and how Lisa can get to know who Monica is a little bit better. Yeah, this is a great play to build that friendship between them. I loved it. Exactly. And Monica is really like, like we were saying, she, she sort of realized as a rookie player, she needed to turn her story around and get more women on her team, so to mm -hmm. speak. Yeah. And I would say Angie has not lost people on her team necessarily, but overall, and we can talk about this at the end, but overall, I don't feel like Angie is doing much as a rookie in the last couple of episodes. So mm -hmm. yeah. So Monica may be running away with her Heisman trophy. Lisa IGMs that things have been rough with her and Monica, but she is always willing to give someone a chance. And I think that's true. That's part of her openness and her sort of living in the moment. And as you were saying with her personality type, it's part of her just dealing with what's right in front of her. So I'm so glad you brought up personality type and Lisa, because I'm going into it later. Mm, get ready. Uh -oh. Get ready. <laughs> So then we have what I'm going to be calling a confidence play where Monica plays. She, she is the one who plays this confidence play and she's opening up to Lisa, revealing this whole Greek mafia storyline. This moment where Monica tells Lisa what she has heard from Meredith and all about the DMs accusing Angie of being in bankruptcy and committing fraud is my Play, play the, um, game, um, the game, the game. Okay. And it's early. Uh, going through this episode, I was sort of like, what really was the play of the game? And this is the long setup, right? This is another play that launches a long setup. Also, 
the editors have this fabulous moment where they've got Angie in her Greek bikini (laughs) getting into the pool or trying to. And they have her like Angie in quotes, the Don Katsanevis Greek mafia dot, 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 question mark. And there's the, and then, and then Angie's just like awkwardly trying to get on that flamingo (laughs) pool float. There's, there was this weird moment where and I, I had to rewind it and re-listen to it. But the second cut of her on the flamingo, there is, I was like, did Angie say that? I think they took Mary Cosby, took her voice saying little saying girl. Little girl, yeah. Yeah, you caught that too. Okay, yeah. I was like, that's so bizarre. What is going on there? Okay. Yeah, so. that was strange. But that that whole like the cut of like the Greek mafia, they had like Greek mafia kind of music playing, if you can imagine what that might sound like. And then her like awkwardly trying to get on the flamingo floaty. It's such a great cut up. And I noticed on Insta that Angie is now selling Greek mafia tumblers. Oh, that's awesome. That's <laughs> so awesome. She's, she's owning the silliness of the whole thing, which I love. I agree with you that Lisa telling Monica that Meredith sent her the DMs and that she did that last year to Lisa. This also was my play, play of, the of, game. of the game. Oh, nice. Our bracket is going to look really good with a lot of these. I feel double play of the game is really means this was a good play. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, you know, going through it in the moment, I didn't really mark it. But at, when you, at the end, when I looked through, I was like, no, that's really what sets everything up. It gets Monica's mind going to reveal more to Angie later and results in the biggest confrontation played later in the episode. So yeah, yep. that, I gave that to Lisa as well. Nice. All right. So Lisa, of course, ITMs, this is all lies. Meredith is trying to damage Angie's relationships. And we get flashbacks to last year when Meredith did this to Lisa with her SEC filing. And you know what I call that? Deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> Monica ITM, she does not like being used as a pawn. So she's a little quicker to the punch. And maybe that's because she's aware of what happened to Whitney last year being the pawn. So mm. we then get to cut to getting ready to go jet skiing. And here's where Heather wins my Fashion play, play of the game, of the game. for oh, that yeah. silver bathing suit cover up dress. I loved that. Yeah, I like that too. It was fun. So we're on a van. I'm a little nervous. What's going to happen? Angie recommends they all start rapping. Um, and Heather says, why don't we play the silent game? So it's funny. <laughs> last week we talked about how Heather is just on it all the time, like 24 seven today. Mm-hmm. She may be feeling a little bit more of the jet lag. I would say Bermuda day two, she seems a little, a little snarkier, grumpier, but still overall wonderful Heather. Like, I mean, uh, maybe a bit irritable, a little bit irritable. Yeah. Uh, And I would say even that is, is above where I am usually on a good day. So (laughs) Um, then they start talking about how Ashley Heather's oldest daughter is doing at college and Monica blurts out, has she had sex? have kind of like a, a metaphorical crickets moment and a, and a cut to Jonathan, the driver, <laughs> like <laughs> awkward. Yeah. That was my bystander of the week last week. Yeah. And he's back. He's back. Will he win it this week? Heather ITMs about how it's pretty disrespectful to talk about her sex life, about Ashley's sex life. Angie ITMs and talks about how Heather was very strong LDS girl growing up. Talking about sex makes her very uncomfortable and it's hard to deprogram that. And then Monica says, are you a bad Mormon or not? I feel like a bad Mormon (laughs) would talk about sex. I love that. That was good. And this is where I'm going to bring in. It's kind of a coincidence right now. I am reading a book called A Woman is No Man. And it's about, Mm. it's sort of about these different Palestinian women who, um, and one of the main ones has been taken um, as a bride to the U.S. Mm. And so she has been raised in this culture that tells her that sex is bad, you know, like that a woman should not promote her sexuality, et cetera, similar to kind of the storyline, I feel like between Heather and Monica. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, there's another character in this book who is also raised in Palestine, but she is not as sort of afraid of sex. She does not flinch when her husband touches her and whatnot. So I just thought it's kind of interesting how different women react to that same type of programming, Mm -hmm. right? Like Monica has, she also grew up in the Mormon church, but she grew up, you know, I think being a lot more sex forward and a lot more sex positive than Heather did. Yeah. I think 
you can partially attribute that to like families and like how, how that's being pounded into you by your parents. Right. But also I think personality type too. There's one, there's at one point in the episode, Monica says something to Heather, like, oh, I know you love your rules, Heather. And like, Heather is a very like rules person. And if you look at Myers-Briggs, that's the J and Myers-Briggs, the judging piece of your personality type people who have a preference for judging we like rules and structure and like we adhere to those really well so I think when Heather was a part of that like structure of the Mormon church like she just fit into that and she was like here's the rules I'm following the rules and she internalized them whereas Monica is probably more of like a perceiver and doesn't want to be boxed into the rules and never really saw herself in that box as well um, which makes sense with the whole like having an affair with the brother-in-law and now like not having as hard of a time with the um this talking about sex and whatever else that said whether or not like you're comfortable talking about sex I did feel like it's a line to cross to talk about your daughter's sex life on camera exactly no (laughs) I agree with that and I wanted to like quickly touch back like also environment right because Mm. if you think about a person who grows up feeling like she has no value all she is worth is cooking, cleaning, and having a male son for her husband, mm-hmm. then she doesn't feel value or love in herself. And so everything is, you know, she's probably going to grow up feeling like everything is, is awful. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas sure. someone who grows up with that same expectation, but, but a family that cares about her and still loves her and treats her, you know, as though she has value just because she's their daughter will probably grow up with a, a little bit more of a positive take on the world yeah, anyway for sure I don't know nurture nature yeah all of it. nurture nature but bottom <laughs> line we have decided is you don't talk about your kid's sex life on national international bravo tv we agree I mean maybe that would be some good play but <laughs> that's a line I would not be willing to cross I would not be willing to cross that even to talk about my male son's sex life so And we go and we have a very disappointingly short jet ski adventure that went out to a shipwreck site. I would like to spend a lot more time exploring the shipwreck site myself. We we get Heather, speaking of her like rules follower self, she's very nervous on the jet ski and that Mm. gets demonstrated. Angie and Whitney are on the same jet ski and they have some funny stuff in a campy shot of Angie holding on to Whitney's boobs as they're (laughs) zooming along. And then... They get to a place and their jet ski rail guide person, what you call him, tour, tour operator, guide. the tour guide, um, gives them bread to feed to the fish. I did not like that. I was not happy that they were giving bread to these fish out in the ocean. You don't think that's in their natural diet? I don't think carbs are good for fish. You don't think the sharks <laughs> are like maybe during the pandemic, they got like really into cooking sourdough for each other. Oh, I like this. I want to see that show. (laughs) Monica, though, it does set up a nice little ITM for Monica, where she says, finally, I have companions who eat as much as I do. And it's funny because we're seeing a little competition between Heather and Monica for best comic narrator. And I thought it was, oh, no, there's a different, sorry, there's a different Monica ITM that involves cake that we'll talk about later, where I was like, they are totally listening to our podcast. (laughs) <laughs> in somehow in the future because somehow in the our, future <laughs> our podcast came out after they filmed for the season but. <laughs> so either that or we just have the shining and we can see the future so then everyone's loading back onto the van we have our we have drama on a van monica's looking at her phone and then she basically walks off crying everyone is totally stunned and lisa Hops off the bus to go be the shoulder to cry on commercial. (laughs) So we're back. When we come back from commercial, we are at the bathroom. Lisa is in the bathroom with Monica, who is giving us some huge tear play. She's crying really hard. You can hear their microphones, but all we get on screen is a shot of the door, the outside of the door. Monica says through tears that Vovo intervened and made her family not meet up with her. We cut back to the ladies on the bus. They're speculating what could be going on. And then we're back in the bathroom. And now some the camera has moved into the bathroom, but Lisa and Monica are in the stall. So all you see is their sandaled feet under the stall. Monica is sobbing. Lisa is 
playing STCO to her shoulder to cry on and trying to calm her down. Monica ITMs that she received a text out of the blue from her family saying that they don't want to see her. She doesn't know for sure that Vovo is behind this because she never confirms that like the family says because of what Vovo said, we don't want to see you, but she's assuming she says she was so excited to see everyone and to look at pictures together and all that, that she feels like if her mom can hurt her, she will. She says it's one thing to have a rocky relationship with her mom. It's another to have no family at all. And I can't help but compare this to what we see on Beverly Hills. And I know you're just dipping your toe in, so you haven't seen a lot, but this is a common thing that happens with Kyle Richards, that the biggest impact when she falls out with her sister, Kathy, is that Kathy turns the rest of the family against her as well. So she loses that connection with everyone. It's like such a highly manipulative tactic to make someone need their relationship with you in order to have a relationship with other people. And so it seems like Vovo is potentially operating in this way, which um, we aren't seeing the other side or the uh, or the other explanation. We can only guess based on the information we're getting, but that's what appears to be happening. And that's just- You can use uh, the phrase allegedly. That is allegedly <laughs> what Vovo is doing. I have a lot of that for later in the episode. <laughs> I was just explaining to Riker what the term allegedly means the other day. <laughs> I'm going to- I'll, I'll try and sprinkle it in my vocabulary more so it so it sticks in go. his brain. <laughs> uh, anyway, I just think this is an awful thing for Monica to be experiencing with yeah, you know, someone as close as a mom and ugh. yeah, so yeah, and this is where both Lisa and I are coming around on her. Yeah, yeah. So Lisa coaxes Monica out of the bathroom and she coaches her to take five deep breaths. And I'm loving Lisa in this STCO supportive friend role. And this, this moment really goes back to Lisa's personality type. Like we were talking about on the previous episode and you kind of brought up earlier, I believe she's an ESFP on Myers-Briggs and they use their, their like dominant process is this extroverted sensing, which is they're really good at being like in their physical body in the moment. And so she is using that strength of hers to bring Monica out of this like meltdown panic attack to, to the present moment, like helping her take deep breaths. So I loved her like bringing her strength to Monica in that moment and help her kind of calm down. I know we've seen that a lot from her um, in this second half-ish, I guess, of the season, because we saw that at the book club event for Heather. So I'm really enjoying the side of of Lisa. Yeah, I, I've always said that if I were to come back and have another life, I'd want to come back as an ESTP or an ESFP that like, they're just like, they tend to be just such like happy people because they're just in the moment. They're not like stuck in their brains overanalyzing thing, which is where I, where I am constantly, as you can tell by the fact that I have created a podcast to overanalyze a show. <laughs> <laughs> I found like a fun way to use that, that thing that can really just like suck you down into like a bad space. I think what we're going to do is we're just going to start going to an improv class together and we're just going to get you out of your head and in the moment. <sighs> I took oh, one of those. You should see how I'm really bad at them. Sandra is right now. I really like to prepare for my improv moments. <laughs> okay. And with that, oxymoron. Lisa ITMs that the dynamic between Monica and Vovo is clearly way different than she thought it was. So again, going back to her personality type before she was like, Vovo seems great to me. This personality type really takes what they see as reality. So when she was, she don't, they don't really look, look deeper, but now that she's seen firsthand what Vovo has done something to really hurt Monica. Now she sees it. Seeing is believing for our ESPs and for Lisa. I'm a little afraid that I'm the same as Lisa in that regard. (laughs) Okay. You know what? There's, there's nothing wrong with recognizing things in yourself. Yeah. And we've already <laughs> talked about the fact that housewives is making you a better person. So I just wanted to say that our relationship is really making you a better person. And I'm really proud of you. Oh, thank <laughs> you so much, Lisa. Wait, no, I'm Lisa. <laughs> You're Whitney. I'm Whitney. Uh, but this, I just wanted to mention also that this whole bathroom cry session by Monica and the canceled family visit was my my second place for play of the game. It was my runner up. I really was like kind of in between the two for a while. I thought it at least deserves an honorable mention. I know that this isn't like her doing, although I will say there was, I saw that there was speculation online that people were saying she doesn't even have family in Bermuda and she like, oh, I know. 
and that she like made this whole thing up. I don't believe that, but. See, like she would have to be a seriously good actress to produce that kind of tear play for that moment. Yeah, when people uh, say yeah. that reality TV is scripted and like all that, I'm like, no, they're they're just not that good of actors and actresses. Yeah. Maybe in Beverly Hills, we have some actors right, and actresses who could pull that like, off. So actors, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but not not in Salt Lake City. Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that just because something is a play, that doesn't mean we're saying it was done just for the show. There's manufactured play, which is done for the show. Then there's authentic play, which is something that happens that's out of your control, but you allow that to be filmed in an authentic way. And that's a play too. Um, yeah. So I yeah. thought this was yeah. a good play by, by Monica that she uh, allowed this authentic moment to be in the document. And I, I also, I, I thought about that as well. I had the same thing, but it didn't sort of take over the whole episode the way our winning play of the game did. Um, and I also, it's good to hear you say that because I wasn't sure, like that was part of my mindset is like, well, this wasn't her play. This was something mm-hmm. that happened to her. Like this was almost, it would be Vovo's play. Kind of like Vovo would have won play of the game if that's what had happened. So yeah. I don't know. But I think about like someone like me on a show like this, who's a heavy introvert and highly uncomfortable with expressing my emotion in front of other people. And if this happened to me, I would have like just shoved the feelings down and dealt with it on my own when the cameras weren't around. So I think it is a play to be able to like put that out there and share it with the world. Like that there is tough. And so it takes yeah. a certain type of person to be able to do that. It takes a certain type of play. So, you know, definitely my runner up for play of the game. She's a, she is a good player. So they get back to the van. Monica melts back down and Lisa explains for her to everyone that Vovo told her family not to meet with her and that the family canceled on her. Monica continues to produce tears and says she has no family. Now all the women are playing STCO to her saying, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Um, Monica's saying through tears, she doesn't have her family. Her ex-in-laws won't speak to her anymore either. And she just feels gross with her mom doing this. Everyone's trying to encourage her in their own ways. I, I just thought this was such a nice these are some of those moments, right, that we love where all of these women, bound, like they bind themselves together to support mm-hmm. one, per, you know, they're all there showing their support and their love. And I think that that is, that's a great moment. And yeah. everybody gets a little point, a little tally mark for that. Agree. We don't have a show without, without believing that they're friends and, and seeing them support each other. I think that's super important. So they head then to a beautiful cove to eat lunch. Heather pops champagne. Angie points out that Monica's birthday crown is lilting to the side and falling off her head. And Monica says, that's about right for my life. And she's eating a bag of flaming hot Cheetos. (laughs) It's this wonderful, wonderful image. I have to ask you a quick question. Mm -hmm. In this scene, Lisa is wearing an all Versace kind of jumpsuit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we've got, who was it? Um, Heather packed her Versace bathing suit in the beginning. Yeah, now Angie is also wearing a Versace bikini. So my question is, do the producers have deals with certain fashion lines to promote their gear? And is that why every time I see someone in a designer outfit, it's it's a piece of clothing that has the name emblazoned everywhere? I don't know. You're so funny that you brought that up because I didn't put it until later because I didn't notice the matching swimsuit thing because Angie and Lisa, like their things are very, they're like pretty much the same garment. It's exactly. Yeah. Exact same like fabric or whatever. And I, I noticed that too. And I was like, because I, I know for sure there are like clothing brands who will, you know, send free clothing to people on TV so that they'll get, you know, to get it, to get it shown on camera. But I wasn't sure if like do for does Versace and like, coach and like all these these major designer brands do they really need that kind of advertising are they really sending housewives stuff to wear I don't know I don't know I just don't know if like I don't I would feel like it would almost be a deal with Bravo right like if I was Versace or if I was a fashion house I would be like hey look at these franchises like you have x dollars to spend on wardrobe from us mm-hmm. that has our name out you know like it seems like yeah. it would be yeah anyway yeah, curious someone do some research on that send it in please <laughs> lisa proposes a game marry fuck kill with the husbands and ex-husbands and this was a fun little moment 
we were a little worried it could turn into something, some sort of argument, but uh, it didn't. Angie is scandalized by the game at first, but then she ends up participating. I love that Heather ended it with she would marry fuck and kill Seth and then take all his money. And they all agree that that's that she wins because that's a fabulous idea. I like how Whitney, when when Lisa, of all people, proposes the game and Whitney's <laughs> like, oh, games, should we really play it? They always end so bad. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> So then Lisa and Angie decide to take a a walk along the beach together. And I am going to skip the little foreshadow that we get before the commercial so that you can cover it. All right. So Lisa, she takes Monica's confidence play um, from earlier and she makes her own confidence play with Angie is basically what's about to happen on their walk on the beach in horrible, ugly sunglasses. And she's always, and she's always got those huge, they're like, it's, yeah. like they're, it's like they're for skiing or snowboarding or something. Right. They're like grandma's blue blockers from like the eighties <laughs> or whatever. Lisa reveals all of this gossip about um, the Greek mafia, the fraud, etc. And Angie is sort of taken aback. Like Meredith really believes I'm in the Greek mafia. That's insane. <laughs> Lisa says, you know, I have no proof, but I'm pretty sure this is what Meredith did to me last year. And now she's doing it again. Mm-hmm. You get a nice Angie ITM. If she wants to keep coming for me, um, I'll show her gangster. And she's had it. She's sick of Meredith coming at her business. And then we get probably the most intense insult of the game. Angie gets really low and she calls Meredith a phony fucking baloney fraud. <laughs> I wrote that down too. I love that. (laughs) I love when something could, you just know it's going to turn into a meme. She had, Angie had two lines this episode, the the phony fucking baloney fraud and and one later. So it's kind of a slow day at the office for Heather. Her drama is pretty low. And so we, we now cut to her on the phone with Ashley in order to talk about Monica's pushing Heather to talk about Ashley's sex life. And that's basically all we have there. You know, Ashley appreciates, I think, that her mother is not publicly and openly discussing her sex life. Then we've got a big, big bombshell revelation from Whitney. She confesses to liking books. (laughs) (laughs) She says she likes true crime, spirituality, business, but her favorite is thrillers. And she's there on the lounger reading Bad Mormon. And she says, Heather's life is a combination of all that. Then we see Angie going to visit Monica in her room. So we're a confidence play. You can see why Sandra and I called this the play of the game at the beginning, because it's just, it's circling through these women. Angie comes with a sorry, not sorry to bring this up on your birthday but Lisa confided in me all that Monica confided in her. Monica ITMs, I'm worried I'm going to get in trouble for repeating rumors again. And we have a little flashback to Greek Easter and that whole Mm -hmm. debacle over the rumors about Sean. Mm -hmm. Monica asks if Angie's upset that she told Lisa. And then when she finds out she's in the clear, she reveals more confidence. So she doubles down on her confidence play that she would have never noticed any of this Unless Meredith had called her attention to the DMs. She had sort of forgot to mention that part to Lisa. Mm-hmm. Monica ID, ITMs that she is okay with this going down at her birthday dinner, which is, a, this is the sign from the universe. She says, I can get my cake and take it to go because that's the only way I'm going to get to eat it anyway, which just goes back to Sandra saying <laughs> last week. The women never get a chance to eat at these dinners and they always Mm -hmm. are eating afterwards when they're back at the house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then we get our little teaser about Heather and Monica fighting about who is the most single at the pirate party. So excited for the pirate party. Same. And somewhere, somewhere in there, there's a joke about Monica having a big mouth. And my first thought was for good face play. Right. She almost got my my good face play earlier when she has an ITM about um, picking up poop. Like, you know, it's a better birthday than being at home picking poop up off the floor. And she makes this really big duck lips face. But I was like, eh, it's duck lips. You know, we can all do duck lips. Not like she can. Not like she can. No, because I have really, really tiny lips. So 
yeah, so that takes us up to the commercial. I will have a big discussion point for you pretty soon after we come back from commercial because I want to know your thoughts. What did Vovo tell the relatives? What do you think she said? Mm, okay. So we get a little, um, we're back at the estate. Monica calls Bree to tell her what happened with the family and that she thinks Vovo is behind it. And Bree is so sweet. She tells her mom that nothing reflects what she did and that it came from Vovo. And she's so sorry. I love how different Bree and Monica are as human yeah. beings, right? <laughs> like when you see Bree, you're like, this came, this is a person who came out of this woman. They're so different. And that makes their relationship all the more beautiful, I think. And doesn't it make you feel like Monica must be a good mom? Yeah, it does. Yeah. It really does. But I mean, Brie also seems like, you know, like Monica says, she's an old soul and she seems mm -hmm. like the kid who's been raising her younger siblings mm -hmm. from a young age. So yeah, that's true. I could cut the other way. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Monica reminds Brie that she and her sisters will always have each other. And she ITMs another PTC, another personal tragedy card. She produces tears and says that she grew up as an only child and she wanted a sibling. She says if she did nothing else let, right in her life, giving her girls each other is the best thing she's ever done. So I now feel like a terrible mother. I have only <laughs> one child. I hate when people <laughs> say things like that. It's like, first of all, you don't, you don't know you're, that if you have siblings for your kids that they're going to get along and that that's going to be a good relationship. And also right. like, there's nothing wrong with having an only child. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so I'm going to move on from there. So you want to talk about the Vovo thing now? I'm curious. Yeah. What do you think Vovo said to the relatives? Allegedly assuming that that is yeah, what happened. I mean, maybe because I'm wondering, because it seems like they were planning to film there. So it could have been um, something about like, she, she doesn't even care about you guys. She just wants to do this for the show. She's such a me monster. And that's sort of the Occam's razor, right? Like that's the most likely, isn't that Occam's razor? Like the most <laughs> obvious thing is the, boy, if I got that one wrong, that's going to be embarrassing. But anyway, like the most obvious thing is the likeliest most thing to likely, be the truth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I figured that it must be something about how you're going to be vilified on TV or look how they vilified me on TV. Um, although it wouldn't have been on TV at the time they were filming it. So maybe there were nasty rumors. Maybe she spread nasty rumors about yeah, how Monica spread... slept with her brother-in-law. Yeah, she could have been talking about what a bad person she is and all the bad things she's done. And yeah, who knows? I would love to see those text conversations. <laughs> so then we get shots of all the ladies getting hair and makeup ready for the pirate dinner. Heather comes down in her full on pirate outfit and she sees Lisa <laughs> in her just like <laughs> very standard outfit and asks, are they going to the same party? And Lisa points out that she's wearing gold hoops and an I just dug for gold belt. Heather is so disappointed. <laughs> she is so disappointed in the efforts. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I'm on Lisa's side. I don't really like dressing up either, but maybe for different reasons. I just find yeah. the whole thing exhausting. However, I will do it. Like if the group is doing it, I, I don't want to be like the the one that's bringing the party down. So I'll do it. But I'm, it, it's a, I feel like it's a chore. I will keep this in mind. <laughs> I may, there may be a themed birthday party coming your way around May. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Heather criticizes Meredith's outfit, which has like this piratey, blouse but the leather skirt doesn't quite work and then monica comes down and she wins she has the full poofy lace white blouse all sorts of belts uh black like long skirt dreadlocks red bandana beads in her hair and she has drawn a beard on her face and this all-out effort by monica for the pirate party was my fashion, fashion play, play, of, play the game. of the game I heartily, I agree. This was amazing fashion play. Like clearly Monica was very excited to bring it for this yes. episode. <laughs> so Angie comes down and hers is pretty good too. Some red in there, a skull bandana, um, but you can't beat that drawn on beard. Yep. Whitney is late. She's going to meet them in the van. And when she party gets there, for the party. She, she is, she is. I, I don't know if we count, if we can count like Whitney, just like running late all the time is tardy for the party, but it does and, seem to be a theme on this trip. Yeah. Yeah. But she has a really good excuse. 
Yes. So she said, so when she finally gets into the van, she says that her outfit, so I guess her pirate outfit came as like a package and it came with a G string and she thought it was an eye patch and she tried to put it on. (laughs) And I give her a minor error here for not getting that on camera. Right. Oh, that's a really (laughs) good point. That is definitely an error. So they arrive at dinner. They have to walk down this treacherous path. Everyone's having a really hard time walking, especially they they get led through a cave by Cosmin, the head waiter. Cosmin? 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 I don't know. That sounded (laughs) like kind of his accent. Who has to endure this dark and stormy pirate dinner of confrontation play and who later gets called the wrong name by Lisa Barlow and then has his name mispronounced by me on a podcast. And for all this, he was my bystander (laughs) Bystander of of the week. Excellent. Excellent. I want to go back to Whitney trying to get down that path in the cave Mm -hmm. um, in her stiletto heels. I have two things to say. One- (laughs) I have already posted on Insta, Real Housewives of Bend, Oregon, a picture, um, like a little clip of that from the show, and then a photo of me trying to walk down a cobblestone hill path in stiletto heels. So (laughs) you can go check that out. Two. I've never seen you wear stiletto heels, and I'm opening Instagram right now. If you want a little further dish on those heels, they are the Manola Blahnik Mary Janes that were also mentioned in an iconic Sex in the City episode. A friend of mine that I worked with in New York called them little torture chambers for her feet. Um. <laughs> oh my gosh, look at you. <laughs> those are not, I don't think those are as skinny as hers though. They're close. They're super skinny, but the Blahnik heels, they have such a beautiful, elegant curve shape yes, to them. I love that little shape. look like you're about to die. <laughs> I, I felt like I was about to die. I mean, I was in a place where a lot of wine is made and drunk. So <laughs> um, the second thing I will say to Whitney is go to New York City, wear your stilettos, walking around on the sidewalks and all of those subway grates, you just learn to go in stride walking on your tippy toes. And you just yes. don't put any weight you on your put heels. put all the weight on the front. It's yes. so hard so. when they're really tall, though. I, I don't know how people do it. It is, but, you know, that's the training ground. <laughs> so they're all sitting down at dinner. They've made their way through the cave. And Monica says, I have an idea. Since I felt sex shamed earlier on the bus, and we get a face play reaction from <laughs> Heather, when was the last time you had sex? So we're, we're playing another game. <laughs> this is a little confrontation know. play, right? From our friend, Monica. You skipped over, by the way, Meredith's drink order. Mm. Tea. Meredith's having tea. Oh. <laughs> Does Meredith know what's about to come? <laughs> That's what I put in my notes. I was like, huh, does she want to be clear-headed for what's coming her way? Or maybe she's still detoxing from yesterday, but well, she's going for tea. Way, she doesn't play it well, but we'll get to that. No, she does not. So they, to the, when was the last time you had sex question? They all basically say right before the trip. I don't believe half of them. And Heather says she's not answering. She says everyone who answered already is married. So it's an unfair question. And Heather ITMs that the way that Monica talks about sex makes her very uncomfortable. And we get a flashback to Monica saying she fucked her brother-in-law. Heather says it's not about sex shaming, but it's shitty that Monica would act like she's ashamed to talk about it when she's just trying to live her life. And she says she's the only single person here. Monica disagrees. She says she's as single as Heather. Just because her ex won't sign the divorce papers doesn't mean she's not single. And if she wanted to fuck someone right now, she could. Not, not, not to be super rude, but apparently she also did that when she was married. Right. <laughs> Whoa, that was rude. Fair point. Um, <laughs> so they're back and forth about who's more single and if they respect Heather's take on this. And then Heather tells Monica to shut the fuck up, just like Whitney said to her last night. And Monica says, wow. <laughs> wow. And we're too commercial. <laughs> Yeah, that was a nice little cliffhanger on the on the commercial break. A little bit of brief face play um, around the table with that. And then we come back from commercial. And this is two weeks in a row, two days in a row in Bermuda. 
where my section starts with another moon up in the sky. Mm -hmm. And then we have low angle shots looking up at the street. So we feel like very, you know, subdued and in the basement. So we get a brief rewind of that scene. And then the camera goes to Whitney and we get this very deadpan. We should not play games anymore. Which I thought was funny. And then we had some comic music, a little quiet table, some slurping straw sounds. And then Angie takes this moment to play her confrontation. And I really felt for Angie in this moment because you can hear like the tremors and the nervousness in her voice. It was really kind of mm. very authentic that, you know, mm. like as, as somebody who does not like confrontation, I mm -hmm. really, I, I was with her in that moment. Yeah. You resonated. It resonated. Yes. Good. Excellent word Me, I can't, I can't do conflict like them because I literally, I just cry through conflict all the time. So I oh. generally choose not to engage in it because I don't like to cry in front of people. So that's me. <laughs> <laughs> See, we are all revealing things about ourselves. <laughs> so we um, will just pass through Heather's little comic ITM. Now, Angie stands up and or she doesn't literally stand up later. She literally stands up, but she tells Meredith that she has accused Angie of fraud and of being in the Greek mafia, which is a surprise to Heather because we do get kind of a, a comic ITM from Heather there. Unlike Angie is no Tony Soprano. <laughs> Angie brings up that she has like hundreds of employees and that these allegations could damage it's endangering the livelihoods of her employees. I love the me monster play here because not only should she say that she has hundreds of employees, she says, I have hundreds of employees. You have one. You have, right, right. <laughs> She's like, you I'm better one. than you. And by the way, and then she moves on. Yes. Like I run a legit business here. Your <laughs> FTE, your full-time employees are just you. Meredith says, I've never made any of these claims. And Lisa jumps on that. She's like, oh, really? Never. And Monica says, yeah, you did. She basically is like, you told these things right to me. Meredith does her, I am so innocent. I don't know what anybody's talking about. I'm just over here drinking tea. <laughs> Heather looks pretty aghast at some of this. And then we, of course, get a recounting of the breadcrumb trail that Meredith allegedly left. And Whitney, <laughs> who it doesn't seem to doesn't seem she's been a part of any of these conversations. At least we haven't seen Whitney involved in any of these conversations. So this seems to be like fresh news to Whitney. Mm. She has that light bulb over her head. Like, wait a minute. This is just like last year where you used me as the pawn about Lisa's SEC filings. Then we get a very different Meredith ITM tone, right? Like last week, her ITMs were all like, well, if you get accused of something often enough, you might as well do it. <laughs> and now she is just like, who, me? I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know about these incessant accusations. It must be jealousy. We get some more good face play from Heather through all of this. We had great pirate face play from everyone. I can't, like most of my face play, like shots that I took were all of pirate faces. So I can't wait to put those on Insta. I can't wait to see them because I really thought watching this episode, I was like, I don't know how you're going to catch any of the face play because <laughs> it was really fast shots. Like the editor did not give us a lot. There were some I just couldn't get. They were too blurry, but I, I got some good ones. Nice. Yeah. But the dinner is another, as you, as you coined last week, a face play package uh, <laughs> from all of them. <laughs> So Lisa starts to go after Meredith and Lisa says, you know, you did this to Mary, you did it to Jen. And she just goes on a rant telling Heather, telling Heather, telling Meredith that she needs to stop doing this. And then we get some good napkin play from Heather. Yes. <laughs> she just pulls the napkin up above her face and over her hat and cuts yeah. to commercial. <laughs> Yes. Uh, one thing I want to mention is when Angie was getting in there, she, at one point she says, Google me, bitch. <laughs> and I thought that was another memeable moment. I love that. And at that, at the end, Heather pulling the napkin over her face to block out all this crazy confrontation play was my face play, face of, play the of, game. of the game. Of the game. Nice. Can I make a request? Can you put Google me bitch um, on our <laughs> Insta and our TikTok and just tell people where to Google us? 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to put bitch on Instagram. Oh, well, I like that. I could be wrong, but I'll try it. And then maybe our account will be closed down and no one will be able to find us. Uh, You could just do the B and the like, like exclamation points and all that stuff. (laughs) So we come back from a commercial. We get the last few seconds replayed for us. Lisa is livid. Um, Lisa asks my bystander of the week, Cosmine, but she calls him Crossman. I wasn't sure she said Grossman at first, like Mr. Grossman. (laughs) Mr. Crossman. I need bread. Anybody need bread? I need bread. She really (laughs) needs bread. Like she really needs bread. And I can totally relate. Meredith is still denying doing anything. Lisa says Meredith is looking at Monica like she looked at Whitney last year as a vehicle for doing her dirty work. Meredith says, do you guys really think I would do this? And they all say, yes. Lisa ITMs that it doesn't take Inspector Gadget to figure out what's going on. God, I love her references. (laughs) Inspector Gadget is such a buffoon. (laughs) Lisa says she won't deal in lies anymore. And she says to Meredith that if one more fucking DM shows up, she will have her cybersecurity team go the distance on it. And Whitney and Heather speculate in their ITMs about why Lisa needs a cybersecurity team. Heather imagines it's like the geek squad in Armani. And as someone who is married to someone in cybersecurity, I will say it's not like that. He's usually in a t-shirt and jeans. (laughs) I wonder if your husband is actually working for Lisa Barlow. I will ask him because he doesn't know what the Real Housewives is. So he would have just been like, oh, yeah, Lisa Barlow, just some random person in Salt Lake City. Imagine we need to make this connection. So as the other women cybersecurity team up, maybe we can get him in there to be on their cybersecurity team and get us a little <laughs> DL info. I'm sure That's that not wrong. Hu- I'm sure that my <laughs> husband would do that for us. I'm sure that that wouldn't compromise his morals at all. <laughs> no, crosses no ethical boundaries for him. That's good. That's good. They all want it to end, but Meredith won't cop to it. And so it can't, it just can't go anywhere. And they decide to head back to the house. Heather ITMs that to think one of their friends created a fake Insta account to stir up drama would be a huge boondoggle of deceit. She calls it very sophisticated pot stirring. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So then we get our scenes from next time. It's another beautiful day in Bermuda. They're jumping in the water. Angie is dancing on a boat wearing someone's hair extension as a skirt. Heather talks to Meredith about the DMs. Lisa is still mad about this boondoggle of deceit. And Meredith is getting really fucking pissed off. (laughs) Whitney tells Heather she exploited her sexuality in her book and that she's a hypocrite. And as they're fighting, it looks like Heather is like trying to move past Whitney to walk away. And Whitney's trying to block her from leaving. And then Heather maybe like slips and falls. And she says, Jesus, Whitney. And I watched this like three or four times. It doesn't look like from the footage that Heather's trip was Whitney's fault, but it's really hard to tell because of the camera angle. But it seems like this is going to be a big moment. Yeah, I agree with you. I watched it a few times as well. And it reminds me of the Jen Shaw scene when they were in that like little wine room or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't remember when that was, but there was another little kerfuffle kind of like that where somebody was blaming somebody else. And you're like, I think you actually kind of instigated that. So it looks kind of like Heather may be instigating something, but also I will say they're sitting on tall bar stools and it is very tricky to maneuver in and around (laughs) tall bar stools when you've been drinking and you're getting ready to have like a Bermuda pirate bar fight. So yes, it does seem like they might be rather sloshed. Bar brawl. I'm excited (laughs) for next week's bar brawl. All right. And then I wanted to say that my error of the game, because it took me, it took me to the end to kind of go back and think this through my error of the game is Meredith allegedly creating fake DMS. So last episode, you know, I, what did she get? She got a bunch of awards. Was it like MVP or was it, um, Let me quickly pull up my tally because I have for last week. Oh, I don't have yours down in there for last week. Last episode, I was praising her for all this drama setup that's happening. 
However, that was before it was implied that she, because before it was just like these DMs were coming in from people and she was just like alerting people to it. And that's one thing. But the the idea that she actually created a fake account and is doing her own digging and sending stuff to people is like a whole nother level. Again, we don't know for sure if she's doing this, but everybody seems to believe it. And that leads you somewhere. <laughs> so I thought that this highly manufactured drama that is turning the entire cast against her was my error of the game. game. I have to say, I also struggled thinking like, what was the error of the game? Nothing really stood out. And I thought, well, Heather's play was kind of weak and I didn't like how she handled Whitney's apology. And I thought her and Monica's little tete-a-tete regarding the sex shaming didn't go great for her, but I hate to say it now that you bring it up. Yeah. I think I think I would give Meredith. I'm I'm I I I hate it when we always have the same thing. I hope we have different MVPs. <laughs> but sometimes it sometimes it just is, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it just it is. Just is what it is. Some things are yeah. obviously errors, and obviously the best thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. So, so Meredith threw a big interception. She then fumbled on the next drive. Yeah, she's doing yeah. terrible. So yeah, she gets the air. She gets the air of the game. And, the game. and it makes me worry that if she can't come back from this and figure out how to make like a really good apology, which man, it's going to take a good apology. Ooh, that um, is not her strong suit. Yeah, this could be an error of the season. Like this is like, who wants to be in a cast with someone who's doing this kind of stuff? I certainly don't. And if you have everyone turned against you, no one wants to film with you. No, you don't have any solid friends on the cast anymore. It's really hard for the producers to justify to keep to keep casting you on the show. So I'm, uh, I'm a little worried she, for Meredith at this moment and how she's going to deal yeah, with this going forward. Yeah. And yet uh, when I look at their accounts, when we're following them, she's the only one I see most often posting stuff. And that there are a lot of memes about her. So, so mm. I don't know. No, she, she has value in that regard, but I agree. If nobody sure. wants to hang out with her, what are you going to do? Yeah. All right, Sandra, who was your MVP? Okay. I thought there was a lot of really good play today. This took me a minute. I've really considered almost everyone except for Meredith and Whitney. Angie had great play with the way she handled the Greek mafia accusation and turning up the confrontation play at dinner and yelling, Google me, bitch. (laughs) Heather was a great comedic narrator all episode. Monica had really great birthday play, authentic drama. She had an IFI, TFP, multiple PTCs. So I really like was, oh, should it be Monica? But ultimately, because of her strong STCO work and her friendship play earlier in the episode, Because of her stirring the pot and planting the idea of the fake DM in everyone's mind around Meredith, and because of her leading the confrontation confrontation play charge against Meredith at dinner, Lisa was my MMPP. Our scorecards look remarkably similar for this game (laughs) because I thought for always giving someone a chance and offering to go with Monica to meet her family, for being an actual shoulder to cry on, for telling Angie what she knows about Meredith's alleged trickery, so some more confidence play, for standing up to Meredith at dinner, and for having a cybersecurity team, <laughs> Lisa was also my MVP. Yeah, I actually kind of felt like it came out of left field, and maybe that's why I chose her over Monica, because I generally think of Lisa as a good player, but she's more like a supporting role player. And this episode, she really took the lead role and I thought she did an amazing job. So it was close for me between her and Monica, but ultimately I'm giving it to Lisa. I think it's really to see her go from being attacked by Whitney for not being a good shoulder to cry on um, Mm -hmm. and a good person who's there for her. And then for her to turn around and be that person for Monica. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, is Lisa like just sort of moving through, like, you know, it's maybe it's just who's the person in need at the moment. And that's who she's the shoulder to cry on. In very, in the moment, as we said, in the moment, ESFP, STP, but also really uncomfortable, you know, like, I guess, it may just be that death is something that like is super uncomfortable for her. And that's why she with mm. Whitney in public wasn't able to to do that role. But also, you know, if somebody shows up to an event with like their face, their game face on, it's hard to sort of be like, hey, I'm here if you need me to cry yeah. and, and ruin your game face. Right. Anyway. 
not to rehash last week <laughs> or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So uh, now that our this is our first episode we're releasing like after our podcast has launched officially. So if you have found us, if you are listening to us, we are a tiny little like dot of sand on the Bermuda, pink sand on the Bermuda beach right now. And the best way to help us grow and to get us out to other people so they can hear us and also learn how to view housewives in this new revolutionary way is to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and share us with your friends. That's yeah. probably the biggest right there. <laughs> Follow us. Um, and then if you if you just listen through all those episodes, that helps with all our metrics as well, right? <laughs> yes. Listen, listen to every show and then you know the podcast algorithm knows you're out there and you're interested and it'll put us in front of other people. Yeah. And follow us on Instagram, Real Housewives of Bend Oregon. And then on uh, TikTok, we're 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 working Real Housewives. Our way. We're called Real Housewives of Bend, but the little like sim- symbol is Real Housewives of B one. And we're we're working our way to figuring out more things, uh, exciting things to post in all of our little socials. So thank you for joining us, and we'll catch you next time on From the Bleachers. <laughs> we're super excited you're here.